You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I have uh, director David Bellino here, who um, is a documentary filmmaker, and um, uh, recently uh, put out um, uh, the guest list uh, documentary, which is on Reels uh, Station. We'll get into how to access this important uh, documentary. And uh, some of the personal aspects of the of this tragedy of the station fire uh, in Rhode Island, an event in 2003. Uh, before we get into that, uh, David, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and, and welcome on to the program. Oh, well, thank you, Ken, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, th- and, and thank you for, for, for spending the time. Um, we're going to get into some questions of, you know, of art and, you know, making documentaries. Um, but uh, I, I know in, 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 in just speaking with you uh, briefly, the, the, the scope of the story, um, the, the guest list, which uh, debuted just a couple months ago um, uh, on the Reels uh, Network. It, can you tell us, David, just as far as, um, how you ended up um, getting involved uh, in this project and, and what the station fire was, um, you know, uh, for you uh, as you as you try to tell this story, a very big story, as you mentioned. Um, so 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 take us take us into uh, the guest list in station fire. So um, briefly. Some of it, most of it has to do with my career path and um, my life path, which took me from Rhode Island initially, growing up, going to school in my twenties, out to Los Angeles. And when I hit when I hit LA in the Sunset Strip, uh, it was hard rock, heavy metal, hairpin world for real. It's uh, you know everything you see today of what the eighties, the late eighties was really like. Um, I was able to live it and. Uh, my career started as a music video director um, in in that world in Los Angeles. So working with the bands, the hair bands, the, all that craziness that went on, it was a great time in in life. I mean, we just it was just the party, and it was also just a lot of fun, a lot of happiness, and you know, very different <laughs> than today uh, in some ways, but uh, without being negative. But so that career path, um, as I started in. As a Rhode Island native, it's a very small community here in Rhode Island. I was uh, put in Los Angeles into this jungle for many, many years, 20 years, it, and in that, in that industry. Um, and it all came around full circle when I um, basically, I had uh, two young girls that we just had, my wife and I, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and we decided to move back to Rhode Island just from a family and community and, you know, just going back to the small town to to raise the family and so forth. Just so happened that it was right before the fire. So when my wife and I moved back, um, we were staying in my parents' house while our house was being built. They were in Florida, so we were doing the best we could with a one-year-old and a three-year-old and sleeping in our parents' bedroom again. Um, 
I'll never forget waking up the morning of the fire and seeing the news. It happened at 11 o'clock or so the night before. But of course, a lot of people were sleeping and not watching the news. That's what you woke up to. Um, ironically, the station nightclub was about 15 minutes from my house, or my parents' house where we were staying. Um, I didn't know about the show. It was not well promoted at all. Um, but the world had changed at, at that that point in time on, on the morning of February 21st. And, and to this day, it's still America's deadliest rock concert. And just briefly, um, the band Great White, who was a relatively popular band at the time back in the 80s, around Full Circle there, back in Hollywood, um, they, as most of the rock and heavy metal bands, were on quite a roller coaster ride over the next 15, 20 years of their career. Um, they were considered jokes and people were laughing at the fact that, you know, these, these hair bands. And so it, drew, it basically drove them to play these really small, crappy, you know, basically the, the type of nightclub that the station was. And that's all they could, they could only fill 100 to 400 people. And uh, that's really the only places they could play. Um, so, it was kind of ironic that that morning there was something inside of me that was like, you know what, someday I have to be the one to tell the story. I don't know why, like whether it's because I came from the rock world and I'm from Rhode Island. And years later, just ironically enough, no one had, you know, took, taken the story to this level. Of, you know, there's been little things here and there. A lot of press, of course, a lot of national press happened at the time. But no one ever took the commitment to uh, produce any type of narrative or documentary. Um, there was a, a very an excellent book that was written by uh, John Barrowick, who, went, who ended up being the producer, co-producer with me, called Killer Show. And that was the most extensive work that was ever done on the fire in terms of what happened and who was responsible and the human stories and so forth. So without getting ahead of myself, basically... There was something inside me. I don't know what it was, but I just had to be the one to tell the story because I understood the rock world. I understood these bands, and I was from Rhode Island on a personal level, and I understood how small-knit the community was, and I knew how devastating you know, this was. And by just moving back here, uh, it, was, it was pretty crazy. But as you know, the fire happened in 2003, and I didn't start producing the documentary until 2015. So you're saying, well, you know, 12 years. <laughs> well, no one had done anything. And the story just kind of, I don't want to say disappeared. Uh, but I was, you know, fortunately, I guess, the one that was able to bring it back to life, which is a, a whole other philosophical discussion, I guess, you get into in terms of why and, you know, all the things that go with it. But that's generally what happened in terms of why did David the you know, happen to be the one to um, you know, bring this to the screen yeah yeah and and, and thank you uh david for that you know kind of that that personal um that personal connection to it and i appreciate you know your comments i'm uh uh during during the show i cover a lot of i cover a lot of metal um i uh i, I i'm a really big uh, doom metal fan and uh uh, and I'm of the age of knowing a, a lot of the, you know, hear metal bands and those bands in eighties. And I think, um, something you said there, which was really, you know, really true about how, you know, the popular reaction to certain styles of music and, uh, 
you know, I think in, in talking about the the safety of clubs, um, I know in reading the Killer Show book, uh, and, and of course seeing uh, your documentary, just 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 thinking about you know the various places as a music fan where. You know, whether it's, you know, you're caught up in things or you just don't look, you know, it's a rock show. It's supposed to be a crappy place or something in your head. I just never really thought, you know, prior to the station fire about, um, you know, uh, safety and and exits. And, um, of course, that's paramount, um, you know, uh, in in the story of um, the the devastating fire, uh, preventable fire. Um, at the, you know, at the great white concert, um, the station fire. Um, so, uh, so, so, so David, uh, one of the things, um, and, and I hope everybody, uh, everybody's listening gets, uh, to, to, we'll get into accessing the guest list, uh, a short series, uh, uh, documentary. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciated about the, the work you did on that was, um, the different vantage points or approaches to this really huge story, right? Because it's a, it's a true crime story. It's a story of, um, uh, survival. It's a story of, uh, justice. And it's a study of kind of deep, strange, um, occurrences. And I think from the different ways you are approached it, you were able to cover, <laughs> a lot of different ways of 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 looking at this story. Um, with regards to um, making a, a film of this sort, where the it is a tragedy, and but the stories are so powerful. The the people, you know, I'm from Rhode Island, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Originally, I can hear the Rhode Island voices. I can hear the kind of like unique aspect in, in reaction to when there's been wrongdoing or, or corruption. There's a lot of emotional content in this, David, how did you, how did you move through this, uh, with, with your goal of really trying to tell the story the best way and in, in, in the right way? What was that, um, effort like for you? Yeah. You know, it, it gets into the, the, the whole process of, being a documentary filmmaker in the first place and um, why you want to take on a story. And probably the most magical thing is that I'm not sure, I don't want to say most documentary filmmakers don't know exactly what they're making at the beginning, but it is true. And it's a, it's a process of uh, evolution and creation. Yeah, it's, you're, you're shaping something. You obviously know the subject matter, you know, the issues you want to attack and some of the themes possibly. And, you know, I knew what I was doing in terms of, you know, moving forward with the Station Night Club documentary. But it was months and months and years of, you know, the guest list. Where did the guest list come from? Well, the guest list came from the concept of something I read and I picked up about Jack Russell's guest list. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I mean, you know, we're taking a story and revolving it around the people who were actually who put on the guest list that that you know those two days prior to the show. Um, it's just fascinating to me. It's something that people you know would obviously do anything for, especially rock fans and so forth. Oh my gosh, in the great white guest list, and 
having it be essentially a deaf list, you know? And so just these things that kept popping up, it, it, it just, it formed itself in a sense where I'd started making decisions and it, it started out as one thing and turned into another, you know, it, it took me many years just to develop the relationships with the people. And we hit on, you know, some really good topics and one was the power of the stories. And in a sense, it's the performance that you would typically use that terminology with an actor and actress that they presented an incredible performance, you know, in a scripted film. Well, in documentary, it's not performance, it's, it's real. And, but I'll tell you, these people are so, we're so devastated and it's still a very, very sensitive topic that in order to get the so-called quote unquote performance that we've got out of those subjects, they're not actors, they're not actresses, they're, they're real people. Um, but in order to, to see the emotion that you saw in their faces, you're not going to stick a camera in front of their face after meeting them, you know, for 10 minutes, <laughs> like you do in the news. I mean, you, you have to develop a relationship so they trust you. you know, they trust yeah. their feelings with you and their emotions. And so it took many years just to develop that. And so people don't understand, well, five years making this thing. It wasn't that the camera was rolling for five years. It, it, this is what it takes to get down to the root of what you saw you know, and how people can feel comfortable telling their story. So all these ingredients, you know, just the guest list and things and music and how important rock music was to these people and all this stuff. Um, it just, it, this is not in your head initially, right? So in other words, okay, I have this idea. Um, it, this is stuff that happens over the course of the, of the process of documentary filmmaking, which goes back to your whole theme here is art. You know, that, that is the art. I mean, that, that's what it's about. It's, it's so fascinating being a film documentary filmmaker to, to have a core, you know, topic and to have an idea of what you want to do and watch this piece of art develop in front of your eyes <laughs> with your, in, in, in your brain and your hands are, are forming this. And it's the editorial choices and the cinematography choices and the sound design choices, and all these things that, go in this ingredients that at the end, end of the day when you watch it you know were you touched were you moved did you cry did you laugh did you you know all all of these things that you, you want to affect people as a filmmaker that that is the art form is making those choices you know of doing those things um, to tell the story yeah yeah and there's 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 some there's some powerful um there's some really powerful moments in 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 the stories of, of of folks who didn't go and 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 did go, and I think uh, your instincts on you know the idea of the of the guest list from Jack Russell, where you'd have this real deep uh, chance, right? You know, somebody could have been there, somebody was too tired, they ended up being there, they were there later, and um, oh, it's, it's just, fate. It's you know, you believe in the concept of fate, and uh, you, know, you can hear that and. Yeah, exactly. It's it's by chance and happening happening to be in the tattoo parlor that specific night for whatever reason. I mean, you, you, you couldn't write this stuff. Well, and I agree on on the some of the within the story and and so so folks know a little bit more um, specifically without. Um, 
uh, with this with this the, the station fire um what the the actual physical um location was was a run down and rather unsafe and um kind of uh well an uninspected uh location and uh there had been some uh soundproofing done uh with uh a flammable type of foam in order to mitigate some of the noise uh, in the neighborhood from the station. This flammable material went up uh, extremely quickly, and um, there was one primary uh, exit. The uh, speed of of the fire and um, uh, and David Bellino's uh, the guest list uh, covers this about uh, ninety seconds from. Early in the show, uh, when uh, some pyrotechnics uh, catch uh, the wall ablaze, about 90 seconds to get out uh, in a panic scene uh, with dark smoke and kind of caustic air, a real chaotic, uh, scary, hell-like um, landscape. And it happened, it happened so very quickly. And um, the randomness and some of the things we were talking about, Dave, uh, just as far as, you know, chance, whether you were there, where you located when when things happened, just played out to just incredible and at, at time uh, tragic consequences with the uh, loss of life of a hundred um, hundred people uh, in, in this incredible fire. Um, and uh, uh, David, I learned that a little bit earlier, and I, I didn't quite realize this at the time, there had been a, a Chicago um, a, a stampede in Chicago at a show just a few days uh, earlier in, in 2003. And um, another incredible piece of the story was that the, the fire marshal uh, had commented on that story in Chicago and, and made comments, uh, you know, doubting such a thing would occur in Rhode Island which happened a few days later, um, in the jurisdiction. And, um, I just, uh, I, I find some of the pieces in the story that you tell about the guest list about, uh, the, the, I, I don't know if it's the, the deep ironies, the deep, uh, tragedy in, and at times feeling like randomness, um, did you, were you, and did David, did you end up being surprised about this story? Did there seem to be more of those elements where you're like, this is just too, too strange, too dark to be real? Yes. And, and I think, um, when I read John's book, I mean, there's a lot of things that had to come together for this to be made. I mean, this project was almost canceled probably, I'd say at least three or four times for various reasons. Um, and the more, you know, I re- when I read John's book and I talked to John originally, I told him my ideas, um, a lot of what I read in the book, uh, you know, just the concept of tattoos, for instance, and knowing there's, there's two, uh, a beautiful young couple were, were both killed the night of the fire together. They were just married a year prior. Um, and it had to do with them um, showing up in a tattoo parlor the, the same night of the show. Jack Russell was in the tattoo parlor, happened to put him on his guest list. Well, later, as I began to read John's book, realizing that the only way some of these people could be identified uh, was by their tattoos, how badly burned they were, but yet, you know, the dermis and the element of, of how tattoos are, you know, in the skin, um, 
they, they are used to identify people. And just sure. the whole irony of that, you know, the whole con- you know, tattoos being such a rock and roll thing and tattoos being able to tell the story. And, and then one of the uh, characters in our film at the end creates a tattoo uh, photo gallery to tell the stories of these victims. So just the, you know, just that alone, the concept of tattoos <laughs> and how important that was. Yeah. It's dark. Talk about dark, you know, being able to, the only way that you were identified is the same thing, that, you know. So all these things you're talking about um, just fascinated me, whether it was the love of music and the, and like you said, going back to your comment about the stampede, well, one of the owners of the club, one of the brothers, you know, that night thought it was a great idea to do a story about nightclub safety based on you know, what had happened also in Chicago. And he brought a cameraman, one of his cameramen, who used to be a, he was a, a, a news reporter as well, uh, into the club that night, the night of the show, just coincidentally to get B-roll uh, to do a story on nightclub safety, going back to the comment about, oh, this could never happen here. So that's why the, the fire was captured inside the way it was. You got to remember, this was before, you know, cell phone cameras and before Twitter and YouTube. This is just before that, just before the break of that in the early 2000s, which is fascinating because we don't see those kind of stories captured that way. It was just from the single news camera, um, and that, ironically, the reason why that news reporter, news cameraman, was there was because the club owner invited him there to do a story on nightclub safety. <laughs> so all of these things you're talking about, these these chances and fate and darkness, and I just thought that was fascinating. So as a filmmaker, again, going back to the, the topic of art, um, I personally just tend to be, I don't want to say on the darker side, but it fascinates me. And if I can draw, you know, a line from that darkness into something that means something to somebody, you know, because the things we're talking about, even though they're hard to deal with, I mean, Lita Ford, you know, some of the people, you know, who I interviewed asked me, why are you doing this? Like, how could you do a documentary on this? I mean, it's almost like it was taboo. Like, you can never touch this topic. But it's so dark. But personally, going back from, from an art, artist standpoint, I, mean, I think that's what fascinates people and if you can bring some kind of light you know from that or draw some type of conclusion for people or help people along the lines that's kind of my motivation is i'm I'm fascinated by these topics but i also wanted to do some do some good yeah and 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 absolutely um and i wanted to ask about that uh uh david um and in hearing about, you know, creating uh, this art and I, and I understand um, or, or, or think about the, the dynamics that you mentioned, I think part of the thing in discussing art in, in creating, you know, documentary um, uh, film and with a purpose towards, you know, telling these stories, you know, potentially healing. I mean, I think the role of art within the documentary itself, when you saw the uh, photographic uh, exhibit and display, um, and, and with the survivors, I saw a lot of creative pieces where people are trying to make sense of, you know, of, of, of what happened. This is a question I have in particular for you, um, uh, uh, about, 
um, uh, about the uh, station fire itself and what had happened in, in Chicago. Did you discover as a result of, you know, the investigative part of telling this story and, and digging deeper, did you believe or see that the the conditions that that created this this tragedy um did did you think there's been progress made uh, on this um you know say uh, nightclub safety um did you did you see progress made this uh on this made in in Rhode Island or on a bigger scale uh nationwide well you know i think like anything when something happens of that magnitude um Unfortunately, politics kicks in, right? So the state of Rhode Island, okay, you know, we have to do something. Uh, and I'm not saying that um, people wouldn't want to or shouldn't have, have changed things, whether it's fire codes, sprinklers. So, yeah, things change to some extent. But one of our characters in, in the film, one of my subjects is Jay McLaughlin. And Jay was a Italian chief fireman in Rhode Island for many, many years. Ironically, as a first responder, he also lost two people. Um, and those are the, that young couple I was telling you about earlier in, in the story here. Um, he has a lot of bitterness. And I think one of the things that you'll see if you do watch the film is the anger that still resides inside of these people. And the you know, just the, the frustration, the anger, the injustice. And, you know, you hit on those when you were introducing me um, in terms of their themes and so forth, running through this movie. One of the things I got into with Jay and, and as well as Jim Gahan. Jim, Jim is another character in the film who lost his only son. Um, very different attitudes, very different personalities. Um, but they both, one of the most important things to them was, you know, is this going to change? Is this ever going to happen again? You know, if anything, will some good come from this so that other parents and so forth can never go through this again? And I think you see that things do change for a while and then they begin to revert back. I don't know the details on it. I'm not, you know, in that world necessarily, but I can tell you from people like Jay, when you do watch this film, you, 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 Believe Jay. He's a very believable, authentic person. And, and being in the, in the business of, of firefighting for 30 years, um, you know, I believe him. I believe John Berelick uh, from an attorney's perspective. So I think things change to some extent, but they begin to sort of revert back again. It's like any other type of tragedy that happens around the world. All the attention is paid. And people need to do something, right? They need to justify making changes, you know, in the political world that they live in. But how long that stays, you know, 10 years later, who knows? Um, So, again, I I can't really get specific about what specific laws changed and then reverted back. But that's that's the general vibe that I get. And these are from very reliable, believable people. Yeah, and and I appreciated that the the pieces with uh, uh, McLaughlin uh, and and it, <laughs> I was watching it and um, my girlfriend said it, I think he might have grown up with the, with that guy. There was just something that was Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. There was something about like just the response, just the raw yes. 
honest response to being screwed over that, um, right. you know, and it, it, there's a Rhode Island thing in there that I picked up of just this cynicism of uh, where's right. the justice? Where, what about, what about us? And uh, it was really powerful yes. and it was something that I was able to be like, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I was yelling at the judge <laughs> during yeah. the documentary. Uh, yeah. It's um, it really captured that um, that real gut reaction, and um, it's 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 a real it's a really moving piece. I think, in particular, for me, um, you know, being a Rhode Islander, I think it, it can impact. Uh, but but the story is just uh, incredible. So. Uh, David, about uh, the conceptual uh, uh, question, and I know we've uh, gotten into it a bit as far as, you know, what what art is. Um, documentary, I adore documentary film, um, and uh, as I've started to uh, make, try to make small documentary films and just, just learning, I, I've just become amazed at all the difficult choices and all the things um, that they go into it. But um, as far as the art form of documentary uh, of filmmaking or, or art in general, as a creator, uh, David, what, what, what is art? And if you're creating something, what, what are you trying to do in, in, in creating that art? Yeah, I think, you know, it's expressing, I mean, the best way I guess I could put it is that we have something to say uh, as artists, right? So whatever that may be. In my case, as a, as a filmmaker in general, and if you're talking about documentaries specifically, in this case, um, you have something to say, you know? I mean, you really have a story to tell. The art comes in, I think, in the choices as to how you you know, paint the picture for someone. Uh, so I, I have something to say, but if I express it a certain way, people are going to be moved and pay attention to it as opposed to this way, like a painting, like anything else. So, you know, you can take any example from the movie, from the film, and draw an analogy to that. I think in the case of uh Using Jay McLaughlin as an example is a perfect example or choice because as an artist, it doesn't seem like art, but making that choice to, to include a character in my film, the way he looks, right? So, you know, the bald man, the t-shirt, the tractor in the background, the voice, I mean, all those elements comprise a composition on the screen, right? You're, you're watching and you're listening to this character. And at the end of the day, I felt that my audience would really believe Jay McLaughlin, believe him, fall in love with him, maybe be angry with him. All the things you're saying, right? He's yelling at the judge too. So the choices, as a, going back to you know, my choices as an artist, that, that's, that's an artistic choice. I mean, I know it sounds like it's more of a, a factual, you know, sit someone down in front of the camera and have them tell you something. But that is very much an artistic choice. Um, because at the end of the day, it, it's, it's making sure that it's being expressed properly that you're going to pay attention. You know, you're going to pay attention to the way he looks, the colors that he's wearing, his accent, what he's telling you. 
all that stuff. So you don't realize it, but that's what we do. <laughs> you know, that is making those, and that's just one example. I mean, obviously yeah. the film is scattered with you know imagery and snow falling and uh, seasons, seasons. Uh, let me just give you that this final example. Uh, it's not overly obvious, but one of the biggest things to me being in New England um, is how important the seasons are. The spring, summer, winter, fall, and the changes that take place between. And the reason why that was so important to me is because I saw the pain that these people went through. And I saw the pain that when fall began to change to winter, you know, when, when the colors started dissipating and the gray skies started covering Rhode Island and the snow started to fall. These people, their brains and their hearts just completely switch. It, it switches back to 2003. Like they feel it coming. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. Paula and Jay feel when, when February comes on. And, and so it just, in the same way when the spring comes, it's almost like a relief, right? Like, you know, the first green grass or the first flower blossoms. It's almost like I don't have to deal with that winter again, meaning I don't have to deal <laughs> with these memories again. And I don't have to deal with the memories of, you know, Michael's birthday being one week before the fire when he got his yeah. tattoo. It's all this yeah. crazy stuff. So as a filmmaker, to make those choices to make sure that the seasons are represented visually or whatever. Again, artistic choice and you know, to tell my the story. So so although documentary used to be a long time ago, very much uh, more traditional, if you will, you know, in terms of the, the, the format and the structure. I mean, look at docs today, some of the best docs on Netflix and so forth. I mean, they're basically feature films. Like, who, you know, who are you kidding? I mean, they're beautiful, multi-million dollar, you know, and they're done that way for a reason is because the art has been injected into these, this format so much over the past 10 to 15 years that the documentary format has just completely changed. And the bar is set extremely high. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, in the, um, and, and thank you. Thank you for your comments, David. Um, I, I, I really appreciate it. And kind of like a little bit of a peep into, and, and it's, I have such a, a strong uh, connection to this story, but it's been a little bit of a while, um, you know, to, to, you know, with your, with your film, just being out to kind of get back to it. And of course, uh killer show um the, the excellent um, breakdown of, of, you know, the, of, of the station fire um, a really in, incredible expose legal analysis um, and otherwise one of the things I wanted to ask you um, David uh, of course there's so so much uh, to the story so much you know that that wouldn't make its way into the guest list as far as telling the story the way that you did um is there is there a, a a part or or a character or not a character? It's a, don't mean to refer to somebody as that, but a, a, you know the person or, or somebody subject. or or a subject or, or 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 something that you saw connected to this story that um, that you kind of like wanted to convey, or you're like, man, there was a lot more to this, but it just didn't fit into what I was doing. Just about what, what you had seen in in putting this together. Yeah. Um... 350 hours of content I have that had to be shaped into 88 minutes. So think about that. 
350 hours. Wow. We were choosing almost just over an hour. So if you look at the characters that, I mean, I'll give you two examples. Jack Russell, lead singer, incredible documentary character, the rise and fall of a rock star. He was in jail 55 times before he was 18 years old. Um, his mother gave him his first Beatle album, you know, and he said after his first listening to the Beatles that I am going to be a rock star. And he sat in jail and wrote songs. And Jack Russell as a character alone would be an entire episode if I were to do the Jack, if I were to do the guest list as a series, as a six part, four part series. Um, how a lead singer, how someone who has a dream of being a rock star actually can rise to that level and play stadiums in the forum and having tell these stories. I mean, Jack's story is an amazing story. And, and then ironically having him years later be the target of, I mean, in many sense, he's considered a murderer for, um, you know, by people here in Rhode Island. And just that aspect alone, I mean, the controversy and just having Jack in this movie, I can't even tell you in Rhode Island how that played. Um, so that's an example of the, as, as, as you watch the guest list, the 88-minute version on television and reels, we obviously get into Jack. You know, you can, I, I think I balanced it enough so you understand Jack to some extent. But your question kind of alludes to, you know, how deep could you get? And it's a fascinating, fascinating story, which gives much more texture and much more backstory. And you would feel about Jack much differently. Right. So, so that it's a really interesting topic that you get into here when you talk about control that filmmakers, documentary filmmakers have over the volume control. What, how I want you to feel about Jack Russell. I mean, that gets into a whole philosophical discussion about documentary filmmakers. What I didn't use, what I did use, how I used it, you know, how to be accurate, but yet how to be cinematic. So, so that, that's one part of your question is, you know, an example of, of a story that's so much richer and a character, a subject, character subject that's so much richer. Another topic that leads to what you just asked me is how many things are missing from the story. <laughs> and I can tell you one story, a very short story here about another two young kids who also, not, not the story of Jimmy and Mike, who you'll see in the guest list, who are the two college kids that got to interview Jack Russell that night, and unfortunately, they put on the guest list. One of them made it out, one of them didn't. But there was another uh, story of uh, two friends who used to bootleg shows. They used to go all around the country and just bootleg on their old, you know, Sony Walkman uh, and record all the shows, you know. And one of the stories I had to leave out and trust me, this is one of the most painful decisions I had to make in this documentary just for time was to leave out that story. Because what many people don't know is that that show was bootlegged and the audio recording was found under the body of one of the kids who perished that night. And ATF recovered that. And many people don't know about that except if you read the book Killer Show. But it's not just the cameraman's video that you see on the news, but there was more to it. 
And the story of those two friends uh, was something I unfortunately had to move out of this. So I guess if you, if you really understand the guest list in terms of how deep the story should go, could go with these subjects and these characters, and also the stories that you didn't hear about, um, you can kind of get a sense how 88 Minutes was a very difficult challenge to tell the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could, um, and it just uh, thinking about in terms of artistic choices. I and, and I, I was I, you know, when in, in looking at the the, the film and, and taking up um, the issue of uh, Jack Russell, um, for example, I thought you did a, a phenomenal job to you know. I'm sure there are decisions around where you encounter people and saying, there's no friggin' way you can put that, you know, there's don't put that person don't even show that person or, but there's so much unresolved, I think within this story and you talking about, mm -hmm. you know, that your, your exposition here is like a, an extended treatment of this where there, there hadn't been that, um, you know, there's a lot unresolved for people to encounter. So um, I think you present folks in a way to be like, how do you make a decision about about Jack Russell, who wants to help, who screwed up or was near around incredibly tragic screw ups or, or, or mistakes and is trying to help and people don't want his help. And you just you've done something or you've been involved in something and you try to make it right. And how the hell do you do that? It's unresolved. You know, can you, can you help? Should you help? And, um, I think it's important, even though those, that, that lacks resolution, um, to, it's something to deal with, I guess. Right. Um, uh, it's a really good point. And I specifically, especially with Jack is, I didn't want to leave the decision of how you were going to feel. Remember we talked a little bit about the volume control level and setting it to a one out of 10. I mean, could I make Jack look like, you know, a very, uh, I, I can make Jack look any way that, trust me. Um, and it was a big challenge for me. It took many, many months in the editing room to make sure that it was balanced because at the end of the day, what I wanted you as a viewer to do is have all the information you need and the emotions you need and the backstory you need. And, and like I mentioned about Jack, it's, it, it's so much more that you didn't see and whatever. But I think the choices that were made in the time frame that I had were sufficient to make you feel different. Because it's funny when people leave the film, how many people feel one way or the other about Jack. So I know I did my job, right? Because if everybody left the film thinking the same way about Jack, then I did not do my, my job. If everybody leaves feeling something different about Jack, that means they took and they interpreted the scenes and his feelings and his emotions and his dialogue and everything, and they interpret it their own way, right? So a, a longtime great white fan who, you know, and or the parent of someone who died that night are going to feel very different <laughs> about Jack Russell. So, but the point is, is that I took a lot of time in trying to, and that goes for all of the subjects. I mean, when it comes to Joe Kinnan, who was the brain survivor, of course you fall in love with Joe and Carrie and Hadley and their family, and they tell the story of survival. And I mean, that's a little bit more biased in a sense where, you know, how can you not do anything except fall in love with Joe Kinnan? But 
in the case of Jack Russell, it's very subjective. And so I wanted to make sure it was very important to me, especially after all the hurdles that we went through. And, and you can imagine the film without Jack Russell, let's put it that way, because it was Jack Russell's guest list. And um, it just wouldn't be the same movie. So one of the challenges I had, I had many people on that one not want to participate because Jack was in the film. And I had to stand my ground and say, look, you have to, you know, again, how can you tell these people that they can't feel the way they can? I, I get it. I understand it. I'm, I'm not, you know, against what they're, what they're symbolizing here, but I said, this can't be a story about Rhode Island. A lot of people aren't going to care. I hate to tell you, but it has to be a global story. It has to be the rock star, the rise, the fall. It has to be global themes of survival. It has to be, you know, you make a story about Rhode Island and it's going to sit on the shelf. If you make a big story that has a lot of things that anybody in the world can relate on themes and topics, then people will pay attention and they'll see that little world in Rhode Island. It's basically a metaphor, right? So, so that's why I said, look, you know, and, and it's a very, if, if you think about this, what I'm going to say here, it's a choice between Jack Russell or somebody who's a station fire survivor. And you say to yourself, as a documentary filmmaker, how could you possibly make that choice? Well, that's the reason why, is because in the, in the grand scheme of things at a global level, that was what was going to make the film more successful and watched by a bigger viewing audience, which is the whole point, so that people... More people in the world would see Joe Kinnan and, ha- and, and understand if, if Jack was in the movie. And it sounds crazy, and it sounds completely, you know, <laughs> in reverse of what you would think, but that's the philosophy I had to use. Um, not, not that I had to justify putting Jack in the film. It's my film, but I was trying to explain to people who are critics that this is why it's important to have that dimension and have that, those layers um, of things in, in your movie. Again, going back to the choices of art, you know, um, to make it a better film. Yeah, and I, I, I wanted to, to, to thank you for, for making uh, the series, uh, the guest list. I think in the questions that I ask about art and, you know, just about what it does for us in, in emotionally and in, in processing, for me, you know, me, um, reading the book, The Killer Show, and seeing um, your 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 excellent and considered uh, documentary, the the guest list, for me, it, it it helps me. It helps me move through those things. And having known somebody um, who perished in the fire, uh, Mike Gonzalez, known as uh, Doctor Metal, my best friend's uh, cousin. Um, it it isn't an abstract as abstract as the show can be as or some of the questions and i have you know another question or two that is abstract but as abstract as this question seems sometimes it's for me experiencing um the art um the documentary um the book is is helped me now many years later just try to make sense of it and try to understand uh, it's it's meaning. Uh, so I just wanted to point out how how important um, it is, and and for a lot of folks, uh, personally connected or not. Well, uh, two you know two quick quick things uh, just before I forget is Dr. Metal and Mike Gonzalez. Ironically, we went through uh, quite. A, we actually have a four or five minute segment put together 
um, going back to my topic to you about how much we wanted to fit in and we couldn't, but we do have uh, a segment on his story that wasn't able to be put into this version um, with WHJY and the whole piece. So that was also, I don't want to say a regret because saying regret, th- these were, th- these choices had to be made for, for reasons of time for the most part, but that was one topic. The other topic I just want to touch on quickly when you mentioned the book Killer Show, um, one of the pieces that had to come together was John's book Killer Show. And just like Jack Russell, just like all these other pieces that the film would not have been made without, I had to convince John because John originally is not a Jack Russell fan, <laughs> as you can tell from the book. Um, but John eventually really understood it, and John and I became very close. And we made a powerful duo because he agreed to come on as co producer and he agreed to let me use the book as the foundation story based upon so that's where my fact came from so the credibility of the film increased significantly having the book as the foundation so the way we kind of marketed this in a sense is that because we had a very short amount of time on the documentary at least this version hopefully it will go to a multi-part series but this 88 minute version if you take the, the doc and the book together and you think of it as a package and just like you said read the book then watch the doc those two elements of art combined because the book can get into much deeper factual stuff. And obviously books do what books do, but you don't have that, you know, music and the emotion and the characters and the faces and all that stuff you do in the doc. So when you combine those two together um, and you read it and you read the book and you watch the doc, it makes a very powerful statement that hopefully will affect people as a package. Yeah, and the excellent, uh, as I mentioned, John Barrelick, the um, uh, killer show um, uh, is generally available. Um, I ordered it uh, prior to watching prior to watching your, your film, uh, the uh, series, David. And uh, yeah, I, it must have without the deliberate marketing that way. I, I viewed them very much as uh, as 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 together uh, and just just high quality thorough work on on very complicated issues hey um uh, david i got the big question here um and in it, it it's one of those big uh philosophical questions here at the end um i wanted to ask you as 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 a creator uh, as a yeah maybe as a maker maker of art and things why is there something rather than nothing <laughs> uh, you know, when I when I see that or hear that question, the only thing I can think of is putting it in my terms. And why did the same question I got from the rock stars is like, why did you do this? Why would you do this? Like, that's kind of it's kind of the question, right? It's almost like because if I didn't, there would have been nothing. <laughs> so, um, and so I guess. To me, it's because I think I, you know, you have something to say, um, and without something to say, you, you, in this world, you, you won't have that viewpoint. And so, again, going back to this specific example, um, I feel this is something because it's something that nobody has experienced before. Nobody would ever experience this story this way without creating what I created and we wouldn't be having this conversation and people who I've talked to who 
saw certain scenes and they started crying that, that never would have happened in their life, right? So it's almost like if that never happened, then the, the subsequent things that trickled down from that would never happen either. So um, I don't know. I guess it's just a question that's very, obviously a very philosophical question, but that's what makes life. I mean, by creating new viewpoints and new experiences and new art so that I mean, my, the biggest thrill I get is watching people react you know, and having it change their life. You know? I mean, there's nothing more powerful than someone saying, I just wish a movie and, you know, I just, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the scene or something. And, and, you know, the fact that as an artist, you can change someone's life who just watches it because it affects them so much for whatever reason, because they can relate to it and they have a personal relate to it. Um, and I guess I'll just punctuate it by saying Jim Gahan, who was the father of the only child, said to me, thank you so much for doing this because now people will finally see the nightmare that we have to live with every single day as a parent. When we wake up. Wow. Because this will, this will never go away. So, you know, something rather than nothing is, you know, I guess I just helped the parent somehow in some way maybe cope with the rest of his life every day because there's now a story that has a viewpoint that they can feel, hey, my son's story and my brother's story and my father's story and my mother's story is finally out there for the world to see, right? So they have something. Yeah. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Hey, uh, uh, David. Hey, um, uh, uh, everybody, we've been speaking with uh, David Bellino, the um, the director of the guest list. Uh, he works in films, uh, documentary uh, filmmaker, uh, creator and artist. Uh, David, can you tell the the listeners, uh, you know, wh- where to go to uh, contact, you know, like to contact uh, you or to contact what you make uh, to find the guest list? Um, sure. Wh- yeah. How, what should, what sure. should they do? Where should they go? Yeah, I, I would say uh, one thing is uh, the guest list The guest list is a website. Um, it also has a, an email contact on there. Um, and the guestlistfilm.com is a, is a, a pretty extensive site that gets into the story and, and so forth. Um, on that, um, we describe the broadcast uh, partner that we have. So, so currently, um, there's a 88 minute documentary tele- television version on the Reels channel. That's R E E L Z. Uh, so in terms of the airing and finding out more about the network and when it's on and so forth, um, if you go to reels.com, R-E-E-L-Z.com, you can search for the show, the guest list, and they will, you, you'll see when it will air again if they have it scheduled. It'll probably, generally, it'll probably air another, oh, probably four to six times this year on television. Um, the premiere was February 20th, and the reason for that was because that's the anniversary of the fire. We actually premiered the documentary on the night of the anniversary, the 19th anniversary of the fire. Um, the way Reels works is since, since the premiere was on February 20th, uh, that was about two months ago, uh, the Reels channel waits uh, until May 1st, which is actually yesterday, and the guest list should be available on the Reels app. So there is an app. Again, if you search for R-E-E-L-Z, that you can watch 
an on-demand version. And then on August 1st, probably the most important thing, for those who don't have Reels or know what Reels is or don't have a cable subscription because Reels is provided by certain carriers like Verizon, AT&T, so forth and so on. But if you're only a streaming person and all you do is uh, Amazon and Roku and those kind of things, on August 1st, Reels is moving the documentary to their streaming platform so that starting August 1st, you will be able to go to Amazon Prime, Roku, Voodoo, and some of those other streaming platforms. And if you search under the Reels shows, um, you'll be able to find the guest list after August 1st on the streaming platforms. Well, that's wonderful to hear, um, to hear the, the, the access folks, the folks will have to this um, uh, very important um, documentary. And uh, David, I, 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 I do want to thank you um, for your time coming on to the show. Um, it's, it's such a, a topic that you've invested uh, so so much into and in, in trying to tell the story the best uh, the best way possible uh, for folks. I it's a very impressive uh, piece of work. I want to thank you uh, for making it and thank you for coming on to the show to talk uh, a kick around a little bit of philosophy, but just really to talk about life and um, you know overcoming and and, and perseverance and. Uh, much respect and, and, and love to all the, 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 the victims and, and also their, their families in, in the station fire. Um, uh, thank you, David, for coming on, on, on the show and for, you know, for your bravery in, in, in your artfulness in, um, uh, telling this story and the stories that you tell, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, too, for having me. I appreciate it. And, and again, I'll, I'll also pass along the same thank you to the participants because uh, just touching on what you said, the whole motivation, uh, reason behind being in the film for many of these people is because they wanted to help somebody in the future. And if a father could help another father down the road or so forth and so on, that's what gave them the motivation is to uh, teach people, let people learn, hope this never happens again. And, I'm glad I was the one that was able to take that and put it in some type of artistic form and go um, into life. Amen. Uh, thank, thank, thank you so much, David. Uh, great pleasure talking with you and, and, and learning from you. And um, uh, best of luck in all you do. I, I really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it again. Thanks for having me. This is something rather than nothing. 